Good morning. Welcome to Refuge. Let's all uh, stand up and stretch our legs a little bit, uh, do a few jumping jacks, and uh, then I'll sing to you. looking for a song. Hold on. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Well, I didn't find one. So anyway, I guess we'll get into the word is what we'll do. And uh, no, it's just uh, I just want to mention one more time. Uh, Last night's play was absolutely amazing. I'm still I'm still in awe, to be honest with you. Um, Yeah. I'm still in awe at how basically flawless our kids did. I mean, the lines, I didn't see one mistake, one hesitation. At least I didn't pick it up. You know, I, I don't think they did. I, I think they did a wonderful job. I heard someone say, you know, that was just the Lord's anointing on, on it all. And I believe it was, absolutely. Um, and uh, the Lord work through the um, the dedication and commitment um, that um, these kids gave themselves to um, to I mean they, they worked on what was it for about three months yeah since since August yeah so they've been working on these uh, on their lines for quite some time it was just this last week that it, it all came together and um, so they had to figure out how everything worked together in one week, basically in two days, yeah, because it was Thursday and Friday were dress rehearsals, and uh, and then yesterday was the actual performance. So they did an amazing job, an amazing job, and so I'm I'm just uh, thankful to the Lord that He gave us the opportunity to put this together uh, for everyone. There were many families and friends that came out and enjoyed the show, and uh, continue to pray for them. Because perhaps many of them heard the gospel for the first time. Maybe they were reminded of how much God loves them. And uh, I pray that uh, and hope that we would um, really stand in the gap for them and ask the Lord on their behalf um, to bring them either here to refuge or to another church that will love on them and share the word of God with them uh, completely. And um, so that's what we had yesterday. It was just a, a wonderful time. This morning, please open up your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. We have the last chapter that we're covering in this letter that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians. And uh, so we have that. The title of this morning's message is Be Established and Guarded in Christ. Be Established and Guarded in Christ. In Christ. So let's start by reading through this last chapter and then we'll 
we'll break it down. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored, as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one, and we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Now we command you, brothers, in the name, name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have the right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And Father, we come to the conclusion of this letter. Lord, I pray with, uh, with a desire and to understand what you would have us to, uh, to really glean, to understand, to apply to our lives. Lord, individually, yes, but this is a letter to the church as a whole. I pray, Father, that we would understand the warnings and we would also understand the blessings that come from obeying your word and applying it in a way that expresses wisdom and discernment and understanding of your word to the benefit of your body. The very thing that we call the refuge here, the local congregation of people who profess to believe you and follow Christ. I pray, Lord, that you would open up our eyes to see what you would have us to see and open up our ears to understand what you would have us to understand. And give us our hands and feet that are willing to do the work. And to act in accordance with what we have before us. All to your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as the Apostle Paul closes this letter, he writes some instructions for the church on how to know the peace that Jesus gives and extends a command to apply this in the church in order that the body as a whole would know the peace of God by knowing how to conduct itself in various situations. 
The one thing that Paul concludes with is an encouragement to continue doing good. But also with that, he gives a warning against those who act contrary to what the Bible teaches. And actually, the bottom line is that they refuse to turn from that which is opposed to the Lord. They refuse to repent. You know, one of the things that we prayed about, and I, I often pray for the church, because it's the one thing that will always keep us from truly surrendering to the Lord. I pray against pride and, and I pray for humility. That we would not insist on remaining in our sin, but that we would humbly come before the Lord and surrender with true and genuine confession to the Lord, that which is not of His, that which doesn't reflect Him in His character, something that doesn't glorify Him, that we just humbly give to Him. Because this is one of those conclusions, you know, that although there are the strong word of encouragement, it's strongly implied that this is the way in order for us as a church to remain pure and strong. And that's what God desires, that we remain pure as a church and strong. So the question, of course, is, it has to be asked, you know, and we should always ask, why is it that this is being taught? Why is it that this is what the Lord had Paul to write to the church in Thessalonica? I've learned over the course of being in ministry for 18 years, 10 as a senior pastor and 7 in active senior leadership, that there are people who bring division within the church in a very effective way by sowing seeds of discord and division in seemingly subtle ways through people within the church who are unaware or refuse to do what the Bible clearly commands a church to do with such people. This is one of those things to where, you know, even this morning as we were going through and praying, we have, uh, we always, uh, on Sunday mornings, by the way, 9 a.m., we pray. We pray for the service. We pray for each other. We pray for uh, just the, the, the work of the Lord, that, that he would do it. And one of the things that I've noted is that we, we don't, we pray for confidence in the Lord. We pray for his mercy. We pray for his grace. We pray for, you know, the sick and, uh, and those who are in need financially. All of those things we pray for that the word of God would, uh, would really ring in our hearts. But one thing that I think we don't pray for is that we would handle each other in such a way that sometimes the truth would wound for a purpose. Have you ever prayed for that? I pray that you would give me boldness, Lord, to, to wound my brother with the truth. I pray, Lord, that uh, you would help me offend those around me that uh, perhaps aren't walking in the truth. Have you ever prayed for that? No. I don't often pray for that. In fact, I, I don't pray for that, but I do pray that the Lord would establish his church. I pray that the Lord would establish us as his people. And we have this conclusion to this letter. And quite honestly, it's very sobering. And again, I want to remind you that the desire of the Lord is that you would be established and guarded in Christ. These aren't my words. I'm just the deliverer. So don't shoot me. 
The Lord desires that you, Christian, the one who professes to be a follower of Jesus Christ would be established and guarded in Christ. This means that you will be firmly fixed on what is true and careful and cautious against what will undermine and even topple you personally in the fellowship of the brethren, the church, the local church. And I, I want to put out there also that the leadership of this church should pay particular attention to what we're about to cover this morning. Because it's our responsibility to guard the church, to be those watchmen on the wall. So as we close out this letter, let us take heed and learn what it is that the Lord would have us understand and apply in our own lives and within his church. That we would be firmly established and guarded in Christ, our loyalty being first and foremost to the truth of God's word, that he would be glorified as we obediently and courageously apply it to our lives and within his church. So three things that we're going to take a look at this morning. Number one, the desire of the Lord, and as we do give ourselves to him, that the Lord will establish and guard you. Secondly, stop talking and start working. And thirdly, obey the word. So let's start with the first one, verses 1 through 5 is... What is covered with uh, the work that the Lord does, the Lord will establish and guard you. And finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. And that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God into the steadfastness of Christ. Now, how is it that they were, that, the, that they had the word of the Lord being established and guarded uh, in, in them in how they lived their lives? Well, we can look back at chapter 1, verse 3, where it says, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. Now, the emphasis of these first five verses is that the Lord will firmly fix you and protect you in his truth conditionally if you remain in it. Meaning that in order to remain fixed in God's truth and protected by it, we ourselves need to know God's word and be obedient to God's word. You know, we, we, can, we can turn our backs on the word. We can turn our backs on the Lord. And so that's why it's conditional. We remain firmly fixed on God's truth as long as we, we remain standing on God's truth. If we give ourselves to the Lord completely, are committed to, devoted to, surrendered to, and remain there. Fixed on God's truth, protected by it. We ourselves need to know God's word and be obedient to God's word in order, in order for this to have its effective work in our lives. You see, God is faithful. 
And he, not might, not possibly, but will do this work in you if you let him. If you let him. But if we reject him, he won't force himself upon you. You have to surrender to him. That's why at the very beginning I talked about humility. This requires humility on our part. Just a, an act of, of give, giving him ourselves to him completely. That requires humility. Now, with this, Paul was always asking for prayer from the church because he knew that God was the one who supplied what was necessary to do God's work. And the prayer of the church was he knew it, it was effective. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, we know that uh, he wrote to the Thessalonians. He told them, hey, pray without ceasing. Why? Because he knew that was this offensive work before the Lord, interceding on behalf of others, standing in the gap on behalf of others, and, and also praying supplicating him for the things that we need him already knowing what we need but but he wants to hear he wants to listen to our hearts he, he wants us to know where our hearts are before him but he knows that through that he works and so the apostle paul knew that prayer was very important he knew that the effective and fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much just as james writes in james five sixteen. What Paul was asking for prayer for was that the word of the Lord, the word of God, would do its effective work with others as they hear it, as it had done with them. Just as it's, it happened with you, the, the church in Thessalonica, I, I want the same work to be done in other parts that I go and share the word of God with. That's my desire. And so will you pray with me? Will you pray for me? Will you pray that perhaps the Lord would soften the hearts of the hearers when they, when they listen to the one who's bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ? That, it, that, that the word of God would fall on fertile soil, the fertile soil of their hearts, and that it would bring much fruit? Would you pray? And we ought to be praying for this church. We ought to be praying a lot. That that would indeed be what happens here. That we would have these, uh, these hearts that are open to and ready to receive the word of God. And that through that reception of the word of God, that we too would be fruitful in the things that glorify the Lord. And so that was, that's what Paul was asking for. He was asking for this prayer from them that, uh, that the word of God would go forth in such a way that it would do the same work in those areas he was going as it had done there in Thessalonica. That's a, that's a word of encouragement. You see, Paul was confident that the Lord would finish the work he started with the brethren in Thessalonica. He saw it in action. And, and Paul desired that same work to be done in other parts as he taught the word of God. You see, the church in Thessalonica was an example of a people who were unshaken in Christ as they went through various trials, afflictions, and persecutions. And that's what we read in first Thess or Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. That no matter what they were going through, 
these persecutions, these afflictions, that, that their love continued to increase for each other. Their faith continued to increase regardless of what they were experiencing. So their faith was growing abundantly, their love for each other was increasing, and they were firmly fixed in Christ, and they were a demonstration of this. But this was all happening because they were allowing the Lord to do one thing, direct their hearts. Notice this in verse 5, where it says, May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Now, this was in his letter like a, like a prayer. You know, this is what Paul's desire was for the people there in Thessalonica, the church in Thessalonica. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. You see, there's a danger in thinking we can allow our own hearts to direct us to the love of God. Quite frankly, it won't happen. Our hearts, if you just rely on your heart, it, they will not lead you to the Lord. They will lead you to carnal desires. Our hearts will lead you to the things that satisfy the flesh. That's what our hearts do. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Have you heard the opposite? In the world, yeah, the world will tell you, oh, follow your heart, right? Do what satisfies the heart. That's what the world tells us. What God tells us is this. This is the word of God. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. That, that is a strong warning, and, and it gives us greater understanding. You know, if you just allow your heart to lead you, you'll understand this. If you just have some awareness, if you begin to really look at where it is that the heart is leading you, you'll understand that this is a, a true statement. The Lord is faithful and will direct our hearts. And that's why we ought to give ourselves to him and allow him to direct our hearts. And the way he does that is through his word and by the understanding he gives us by the work of the Holy Spirit. And Paul was asking that the Lord would prepare the hearts of the people they would be sharing the word of God with and that those wicked and evil people who wished to stop that work would not be allowed to do so. You know, so he, he, was, he was asking, hey, listen, this is my desire, is that your hearts would be directed by the Lord himself. And I, I'm also asking that you would, you would join me in prayer in that, in that these wicked men, these wicked people, would not be successful in stopping the word of God from going forth. Because remember what the Lord desires, but we also ought to remember that there is, there is an opposition, there is a movement, there is a desire from the enemy to stop the gospel, to stop the good news from going forth. And that's why for us as, as, a, as a church, as, as professing Christians, we ought to be very aware of that. 
We should. We shouldn't dismiss it. You know, one of the errors that we make and is believing the enemy when the enemy says, you know, whispers in our ear, um, oh, that's just uh, something that can stop you from, you know, going to church, fellowship, um, you know, anything and everything. Um, some people will use anything to not come to church uh, because they believe that. Like, okay, a little headache. Any of you have headaches? I had one yesterday. Yeah? A little raspy throat. You know, I'm just feeling kind of off. Um, I, I stayed up too late last night, and uh, I'm just tired. So I think I owe it to myself to just stay home. You on Facebook, if that's you? <laughs> Shame on you. I'm sorry. Is, is that, listen, we, we, need, we need to realize something. Our Christian walk is one of sacrifice. It really is. And I hope that it's not those little things, because trust me, I can give you other reasons that I've heard that are far more trivial than even those. Some just some odd things. Really odd. Let's not be duped into believing those things. All right? Let's make it a point to honor and glorify the word of God. To bless him, to honor him. You know, to be faithful to him because he's, he's faithful to us. He saved us. Jesus Christ hung on the cross for us. And yet we fail to sacrifice for him. Why is that? Why is that? Well, the Lord is faithful and he will firmly fix and protect you in the faith. But you have to let him do the work. It's a matter of devotion and consistent commitment to being loyal to the Lord above all. So number one, the Lord will establish and guard you. Secondly, stop talking and start walking or uh, working. Actually is, is what we have. So if you can change that to working. I know I had walking at first. It's, you know what, it's, it's walk the talk is what it is. But what, what we're looking at here is, is we need to stop just talking and roll up our sleeves and get to work is what we as Christians need to do. Verse 6 says, Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who's walking in idleness and not accord, in accord with the tradition that you received from us. Now, just in this verse, um, this is one of the things that I was saying. Well, we don't often pray for that, do we? That we ourselves would be, um, you know, um, just strong in, in that to where we apply this. Because it's hard. Paul said it several times to the churches he wrote to that, that, is that, that we ought to be examples with following. And that's what we have in this whole section here. Because at verse 7, as he continues, says, For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have the right, but to give you and ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would, not, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Several things going on here. 
but it's several times. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, the Apostle Paul himself says, imitate me as I I imitate Christ. As as I follow Christ, come on along, let's follow together. And I I hope and pray that I, I am serving as an example to you is what he's He's, he's uh, having the confidence, he has the confidence that he himself is walking uprightly before the Lord. And so therefore, let's go. Let's do this. We ought to be those examples worth following. Our lives should demonstrate that we are abiding in Christ by abiding in the truth and living in obedience to the word of God. James 2.18 says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. If this is true, and it is, then we as followers of Christ will prove our love of him by our obedience to the commands we come to understand in the Bible. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. When is a good time to obey his commandments? Now. This word idleness, the, the first use of the word, uh, I want to explain to you the, the meaning of the word. This is a word that means being disorderly or even unruly. Which if you look at different words that perhaps will give us a greater understanding of these words, means confused, muddled, irregular, disruptive, disobedient. And unmanageable. The words that the Apostle Paul used, the tradition that you received from us, is referring to what we have as the New Testament. So it's not something that was passed along by, by men, you know, from one church to the next and from one generation to the next. It wasn't those traditions that he was referring to. He was referring to what we have in our hands and we know to be the Word of God. These are the traditions that he was referring to. What we have come to know as the New Testament. And Paul is calling on them to obey the commandment they received from him, knowing that it was truth according to God's word. According to verse 6, the church is to keep away from anyone who is disorderly, disorderly or unruly. Now, it's easy to spot someone who is openly verbal, Uh, uh, openly verbally and physically disruptive and disobedient. But it becomes more difficult to identify a disorderly and unruly person when they do it in subtle ways. But these are people who are no less unmanageable than the ones doing it openly. For example, you bring truth to someone and they reject it altogether or delay their obedience. Let me ask you something. When, when something is out of control, although you've attempted to bring it under control, uh, when you have a group of people, you know, let's just say in, in the civilian world, a group of people who are unruly and disruptive, And perhaps you're a manager, perhaps you're a supervisor, you're a lead. That group of people, you could say, is unmanageable. They fail to follow directions, commands, and rules, uh, the things that we are bringing to their attention. 
correct? That's a group of people who are unmanageable. They're unruly. They're disruptive. It's the same thing when we have that within our own body. Someone who has brought the word of God, the very truth of God's word, and they refuse to come under the submission of the word of God and fail to surrender to it. They're unmanageable. Failing to genuinely acknowledge their love of Christ through a simple obedience. In 1 Thessalonians 5.14, it says, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. This is disorderly, undisciplined. Encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. This does not mean the occasional fumble of the Christian in their walk with the Lord. We all occasionally fumble. Uh, But it actually refers to the one that insists on a consistent refusal to walk in accordance to the word of God. And therefore, deem themselves by their own lives to be unmanageable. And it gives evidence of disorderly conduct. Conduct unbecoming of a Christian. You know, is that, is that something that applies to the church? Well, it's being addressed to the church. And so we are being warned. We're being told and instructed how to handle such a person. That continues to insist on remaining in this place. But we need to understand why such a withdrawal is necessary. You know, it's in the Bible. It's there. It's before us. It's not to punish, but rather to bring such a person to an understanding that they would see their actions for what they are. And that as they do that, and, and as the church applies this truth to such a person, that they become uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. That they would come under conviction. But if the church makes them feel like they're okay where they are, then let me tell you this. Number one, you're being disobedient to the word of God. Number two, you're actually aiding and abetting. You are just as guilty of helping them in their sin of feeling justified. And you are doing them a disservice. Because you're not allowing, you're in the way, you're in the way. You're not allowing the Lord to bring godly conviction that will lead to repentance that will bring them back. That's the whole purpose of it. It wasn't to punish them. It's like, oh, I don't like them now. And so the Lord says, I don't like them either. So go ahead and just uh, shun them. Yeah, because, you know, you know now we don't love them. No, we love them enough to apply this very thing, that they would repent and come back to the Lord. Second Corinthians 7.10 says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Now, moving on from this, the Apostle Paul addresses the issue of work as opposed to idleness, being busybodies. The example worth following is one of a person who is able and willing to work and is faithful to the word of God. Paul is making sure that the church knows that it is not okay for someone to take advantage of the charity of the church. The formula is easy. If you work, you eat. If you don't work, you ain't going to eat. 
This is one of those encouragements also. Right? And, and, and it's for the sake of the church. Hey, listen, if you're able-bodied and, and uh, are just refusing to work, then that's on you. Then you know what? Don't take advantage of the church. Because if you are able to work, then go out there and work. You need to do that. Otherwise, uh, you can fall into various problems. You become a busybody. It's very easy to become a busybody even when you're working. And Paul gave himself as an example of how this ought to work. Although he didn't have to, Paul worked because he desired to serve as an example to follow. He still worked. He was a tent maker. And it was brought to Paul's attention that there were some within the church who were busybodies, causing problems instead of working and tending to their own business. And Paul was in essence saying, stop talking and start working. Just stop. You've got you to exemplify a, a man or, you know, a, a, or a woman who is willing to, hey, listen, put your hand to the plow. Get to work. Quit, quit talking. Quit being a busybody. You know, we already uh, know what a, what a busybody can do. A busybody can bring disruption, division. It can do so much. When a group of people are working... And one person is doing nothing but talking. I'm sure you've never come across this. You ever have a... No, never. group of people are working and one person is yapping, 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 right? Talking. That person can distract and even bring the work to a halt, can't they? After a while, what happens to the others? I mean, because they're not inclined to work. They're like... So, fellas, you hear about what's, what happened last week or just yesterday and, you know... After a while, they're like, no, you know, we didn't. And they, they put down whatever they're doing. And like, so what's, what's happening? You, you stop the work altogether. Don't be that person. Roll up your sleeves, pick up a shovel, and start working alongside. Don't be the one to criticize the work or the ones leading the work. Get in there and do it. And this is what Paul was commanding the Thessalonians to do. That's why, as he says there in verse 12, he says, Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Very simple instructions, right? This is a command from the Lord. So, number one, the Lord will establish and guard you. Number two, stop talking and start working. And number three, obey the word. Verse 13 says, As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter... Take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Now turn with me to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. Which says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, 
as we have opportunity. Let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And so it's not something that the Apostle Paul is just addressing to the church in Thessalonica, but this is something that the Lord is addressing with us today. It's something that the Apostle Paul was very familiar with. Don't lose heart. Keep going. Hey, Jesus said, hey, listen, in this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. He said, hey, I send you out as sheep among wolves. Oh, great, encouraging words. Thank you, Lord, for giving us that picture of sheep among wolves. Aren't we the prey then? Right? Oh, but hey, listen. He even told his disciples, you need to be as cunning as a serpent, but as harmless as a dove. Hey, in the world, things are impossible, but with me, all things are possible, says the Lord. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So don't grow weary of doing good. Don't give up. Don't give in. Hang on. Hold on to the Lord. Cling to Him. Keep going. Over time, when people take advantage of Christian love and generosity, it can lead the Christian to feeling discouraged. People who manipulate and are deceptive can be draining. But just remember that they are only doing the work of their father. The devil. We need to put things in perspective. That's what we really, we really need to do. Okay? Because Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come that we may have life and have it abundantly, according to John 10.10. 10. I heard it said, I believe it was Pastor Chuck Smith, that said in God's economy, you know, there's, there's addition. You guys heard this? Subtraction. There's even multiplication. But there's never division. And I like that when I when I was reminded of that. That. The work of division does not come by the hand of God, but it comes by the by the hand of the enemy, Satan himself. That's who divides. Now, in John chapter eight, verse 43, the Lord Jesus had a strong word. And for a group of people. In John chapter 8, verse 43, it says, Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So, Jesus didn't mince any words. The Apostle Paul doesn't. We shouldn't. We should understand. We should see things clearly for what they are. And know that this is a warning that we ought to heed as a church. If you think it's only the obvious that will erode the foundation, a strong foundation, causing damage and undermining the church and your walk with Christ, you are sadly mistaken. It is also the neglect of dealing with someone who refuses to obey the word of God. We covered this earlier, but Paul addresses it one more time, one more time, with the thought of what it can do to people who are doing good within the church and is encouraging them to continue and not give up and to act 
in this way. Again, a person who is not excommunicated is another word to use in this, in, in this um, application. Is not neglected fellowship will only be encouraged in their sin and will never really miss the true fellowship of the church and will continue to serve to undermine the strength of the body of Christ. Have you ever had a pinhole in your plumbing? I have. Several times. A little pinhole. After a while, you hear... Where's that coming from? Where is that? Remember, it was uh, about a, well, it was a year and a half ago that uh, from the heater came out this, this uh, line, this pipe, and it was in the wall. And uh, it, it messed up the whole wall. I had to replace it all and replace the piping. And it, it did a lot of damage there in that area locally. Well, let me tell you about something else that happened some years ago. Um, there's some water that was bubbling underneath the driveway. I thought, that's, that's odd. <laughs> that's not normal, is it? And then I looked closely, and I noticed that part of the, of the driveway was actually buckled. Like, that's, that's really not supposed to happen, right? What happened is that there was a leak in the pipe coming from the main, from the, from the street, that went under the driveway, and it was slowly undermining this strong, reinforced driveway. As strong as it was, it could not stand under the undermining work that was happening. And it was slowly buckling. Slowly. It was buckling. We need to take care of these things and take care of them right away. Note that person is what we have here. Note that person. In other words, mark them. Identify him. And secondly, don't keep company with him. The person who is not in fellowship but plucks the stragglers from a distance is one we ought to be very careful about. In fact, if you watch any National Geographic, you know the prey and the predator? Right? Which one is it that they go after? Which one? The one that's in the middle of the pack? No. The one that's straggling behind. The one that's perhaps weak, young, and ignorant, you know, or just unassuming. Just, uh, that's the one that the predator comes after. And so Paul was emphasizing the danger and how to deal with such people and encouraging the faithful Christians to not grow weary of doing good. Tend carefully to your relationship with the Lord and the health and, grow the ch- and the growth of the church. Keep on obeying the word of God. So three things we saw here. The Lord will establish and guard you. He's faithful to do that. Number two, stop talking and start working. And number number three, very simply, obey the word. Obey the word. And he closes with this. He says, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. So that's what he closes with. After such a strong word, after such a strong ending, this conclusion, he says, this is what I desire for you. 
And that's why I bring you the truth of God's word. This is why I strongly believe and I know that if you give the whole counsel of God, not only will it build you up spiritually and draw you closer to the Lord, but it will give you that path that we ought to walk, not going to the left or to the right, but staying right in line with the word of God's truth. And he warns us ways in which we can be derailed, deceived, and go off to the left or to the right. So this is how we allow the Lord to establish and guard us in him. This is how. And as we give ourselves to this, we will know the peace of God that surpasses all understanding and remain unshakable in the midst of trials, persecutions, and afflictions. May we be steadfast in the Lord and encourage others to do the same. Father, we are certainly thankful, Lord, for the sobering truth. Lord, it's clear to us, Lord, as we just went through the final portion of this letter to the Thessalonians, that it is indeed a word of encouragement, a word of warning, a word of instruction. It's a command given to us, knowing that you are faithful and you desire to establish us and guard us in the truth, that we would walk in a manner that is fitting for one who professes to love you. I pray that our character would reflect yours. And Lord, that this church would truly continue to grow in strength and stand upon the foundation of the word of God. Lord, I pray that you would not allow anyone or anything to undermine that foundation. But we would be clear-minded, vigilant, knowing that the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. I pray, Lord, that we would be mindful of that, be our brother's keepers, but also, Lord, be mindful of ourselves. Thank you, Lord, for this word that you've given to us, and I pray that it would resonate in our hearts to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray.